you're not going to get enough 5-on-5 offense from one line. You're not going to get through a single round of the Stanley Cup playoffs by relying on just one line. Good morning to you. Good Friday morning. I'm Dayan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Penguins. It comes your way bright and early every weekday. And if you're into football and or baseball, I also offer up Daily Shots of Steelers and Pirates where you found this. Penguins versus Blue Jackets tonight at PPG Paints Arena. It's the regular season finale. It means, oh, I don't know. It doesn't mean much, but Mike Sullivan at least attempted to build it up yesterday after practice in Cranberry. Well, they're the same priorities we've had all along. We're trying to, you know, we're trying to build some traction. We're trying to feel good about our game. We're trying to you know, we're, we're trying to put our team in the best possible position to be successful moving forward. Um, and and that's what we're going to try to do. So, um, you know, there's, there's still, you know, there's still meaning to this game. Um, and, and the stakes are high at this point in, in time. And uh, most importantly, I think it's important that uh, that that we build some traction and, and we feel good about our team moving moving forward. I mean, A, he has to do that, and B, he's right. The Penguins would benefit absolutely from getting their game into some sort of normal gear, even though the playoffs aren't going to begin for another few days, even though, you know, the standings are what they are, and I would argue that they're better off losing than they are winning when it comes to matchups, because this team versus the Rangers is going to be a short, ugly series. As such, though, as such, I can't help but wonder why Ricard Raquel, one of the very few players on the team who is going, who does have his game up to par, isn't on the first line. And this is not a knock on Brian Rust. If anything, it's the exact opposite. Because I believe that Rust, with Evgeny Malkin and with Danton Heinen, has a better chance of producing at least some 5-on-5 offense, some 5-on-5 zone time, some 5-on-5 responsibility out of that group while at the same time, we've already seen that Raquel works quite well with Sidney Crosby and Jake Gensel. So why, in this practice, and presumably in tonight's game, and from there, presumably next week in Game 1, will everything just be like normal? Rust with Sid and Jake. Why? Because that's a lot of what Sullivan's about. He talks about it openly. He doesn't run from it. He doesn't try to paint it as something else. He sticks by his guys. That's the kind of head coach that he is. And in fairness, that's mostly served him well. But it hasn't in the playoffs. Nothing has served him well in the past three playoffs. And I dare posit here that it's time past time to start looking at things a little bit differently, more toward what will win games and what will win a series. 
And it says here in giant neon letters that it's going to take five-on-five offense. And your best chance of getting that right now is by maximizing Raquel. This portion of Daily Shot of Penguins is brought to you by the good people at the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank, where they're committed to providing food for all of our neighbors in need across western Pennsylvania. They, in turn, need your help. Find out how $1 can be turned into five full meals for those in need. Visit pittsburghfoodbank.org. You think back to the trade deadline, and Ron Hextall and Sullivan both remarked how Raquel would help their top six, could be a contributor, somebody who would produce regularly and also possibly be part of the power play. Most likely would be a fit with Gino. Well, what ends up happening? Raquel would take an occasional shift with Sid and boom, there'd be a goal. And it wasn't even a shift by design. They would just be ships passing in the night. One guy stayed out a little long. One guy just got on the rink. Goal! Three times in the same game that occurred, including the beautiful pass that Raquel made to Sid in overtime. It was at that point that Sullivan really wasn't left to choice, and he did, in fact, go ahead and give Raquel a little bit of a run up there just to see how it would go. Well, it went really, really well. It did. And then Gino got suspended. Everything was out of whack for a little bit. And, oh, hey, look, the playoffs are here, everyone. And everything just goes back to the way it was. I don't want to be that guy who tells you after game four, when they're shaking hands and everything else, that I disagreed with this decision. I'd rather do that up front. I don't want to go the route of convenient hindsight. Oh, really, guy? Yeah. Would you have said before the series that it'd be a good idea to move Rust off the top line? Well, here I am doing it. Here I am doing it. In part because of what Raquel can bring to the top line, but also what Rust can bring to the second. Let me ask you a question here. With Gino, Raquel, and Heinen, who's playing this 200-foot hockey? Who's playing this hard-nosed, take-care-of-this-or-that uh, in the neutral zone, in the defensive zone kind of hockey. Who's doing that out of that group? No, I know. Me neither, right? No idea. Are you counting on Gino to do it? What about Heinen? Heinen I mean, Heinen's moderately responsible. Raquel is moderately responsible, but you're not going to get the 200-foot game out of this group. When they get into the offensive zone, you might see some cycling, although there's really not much there with those guys either. But if you put Rust out there, Gino feels a little bit freer. And if you put Rust out there, there's going to be something of a grind in the offensive zone. Whereas Sid and Jake can do plenty of that on their own. Look, I don't want to be that guy that's just dumping all over everything about this team right now. For all I know, they could 
come out flying tonight. Mow down the Blue Jackets. Everybody's feeling really good about themselves. Casey DeSmith plays out of his mind. You're convinced that they're going to be okay in goal. And there was that one time that they beat the Rangers. And you could say, all right, well, this is this has at least a possibility. But I don't think they're entering it giving themselves the best chance. Not the way this head coach likes to play and not in paying heed to the importance of five-on-five offense. This team doesn't get much of that as it is. And you're absolutely not going to get much out of the bottom six lines. So if you're reduced to being a one-line team at five-on-five against a really quality opponent... Don't book extra-long hotel reservations, everybody. When we come back, just one question. Time for J1Q. Today's comes from Carmen, who asks, How will David Morehouse's resignation impact off-season negotiations, if at all? that we knew about Mario Lemieux and Ron Burkle and how they felt about their star players. Now it's being driven by a different set of folks at the top. I agree with you that the team won't be blown up, but I also think the chances of not having Evgeny Malkin or Chris Letang or both is now a lot higher. Carmen, the resignation of Morehouse shouldn't be something that impacts the franchise from a hockey standpoint. Uh, David himself has told me over the years that uh, even though there was not previously, meaning before Brian Burke's arrival, a president of hockey operations, so he was involved in hockey. He was, for example, the guy who hired Jim Rutherford, and as a result had a whole lot to do with the last two Stanley Cup championships. He'd still tell you that he took his hockey cues from Mario and Ron. And by the way, Mario and Ron would tell you the same thing. So when you're talking about the notion of wanting to keep great players in Pittsburgh and to keep them for the duration of their careers where it's possible... You're really talking about Mario and Ron, and you know what? Within that, you're really talking about Mario. You just are. That's something that Mario was able to enjoy and embrace over the course of not just his career, but his life in Pittsburgh. And I've no doubt that he wants to see the same thing for Sid and Gino and Latang. But before I you know, go and dump all over the initial thing that you pose there in the question, there's some validity to it. Because the one thing that I'll share here with you is that for as long as Tom Werner and the FSG guys, Fenway Sports Group, have been around, uh, especially Tom, because he's just everywhere. The guy, for everything that he's accomplished uh, as a professional, is spending just a ton of time around this team. Still, months later, I thought he would just kind of show up for a couple days and then be gone. No, no, no. They, FSG, are all over this. 
and they are very much going to have their own ideas. Now, what does this have to do with Morehouse? Well, take this for what it's worth. I have not yet seen Morehouse in the same space as anyone associated with FSG. Not once, not over these months. I have seen Kevin Acklin, who is the team attorney who's now going to take that role from Morehouse. I have seen Acklin and Werner together. I don't want to say nonstop, but a lot. And I hadn't seen Morehouse at all for a while. Now, David, and I'm not going to get into any kind of details on this, has had some uh, health challenges. This goes back a few years. But it would have been reasonable to presume that he'd be around Werner or the FSG guys at least at some point. I'm sure they were. Okay? I don't see everything. I'm only describing for you you know what what's within my own eyesight that's it here so between that and and David announcing his resignation well actually the team announcing his resignation and then terming it a resignation as opposed to a retirement and you know i i just there's something there and I, I don't know what and i don't mean to make it sound like it's some kind of great big controversy or whoa what's underneath here but it's a little unconventional. The timing is a little bit unusual, as this easily and probably more effectively could have been executed in the offseason or once the Penguins are out of the playoffs. So honestly, I just can't help but wonder, and that's all it is in this instance, I'm wondering if FSG might not look to be breaking some kind of ties from the past. I hope that answers your question, which obviously was, in fact, a very good one. And I kind of acknowledge that by taking it the whole way out. I appreciate that. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Penguins. Next time we're talking, Monday morning, we'll know when and where the playoffs will begin. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.